representing the chaotic kingdom. He is the hardest worker in the room and the OIWA International Heavyweight Champion, Primetime Jonte Such a varied background story. Um, man, talk me through how you got into... Because I know there was some trouble early on, and I don't want to dwell too much on that. But I want to talk about your transition into the fitness world because um, you are a head coach at your own facility. You're an entrepreneur. You're a small business owner. But it wasn't always that way, was it? No, it wasn't, man. And, uh, you know, I started... So I've been in the fitness world for seven years. A lot of people look at me and think I've done it my whole life. I was an athlete growing up. Uh, but when I got to college, uh, I stopped working out, wasn't playing sports anymore, none of that. And, uh, you know, I was in college from 07 to about 2011 before I actually ended up dropping out and pursuing music, which is where I was before fitness. I was in the music business. I was touring. I was throwing shows, dropping a lot of albums. I had my own little group with about... At one point, we had five total, including myself. Then, you know, those that were putting in the elbow grease were the ones that stayed. And by the time that I stopped doing that aspect of music, there's three of us, including myself. Uh, because I, when we were getting married, my wife and I, I've been with my wife for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And when we were getting married back in 2014, uh, and we got engaged, the one thing that we wanted to do by the time my wedding came around, because we were doing the quick turnaround, so we got engaged in February of 14, got married in August of 14, so did a quick six-month turnaround on that, because we had been together and lived together already by that point for a good while, so yeah. we didn't see the need to wait for a long time. Um, but when we got engaged, the one thing we wanted to do was be healthy as possible, be in shape, uh, because in the music world, I got so engulfed in a lot of the, the the gimmick aspect of being a rapper. So a lot of the drugs, a lot of the lifestyle. And I was standing six foot at, at 150 pounds when my wife and I got engaged. Uh -huh. And it was literally one day I got out of the shower and looked at myself and I was like, dog, you look like a fucking crackhead, man. <laughs> I wasn't doing crack, right. but that's how I fucking looked. I was skinny, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Skinny, skinny at six, six, one. And uh, so we started going to the gym together and I got, um, I gained about 15 pounds within like the first month. Cause like I hit it hard, didn't look back, protein, was working out six days a week. I was eating right. So I gained weight uh, very fast because I was so small. So I had that weight to be able to gain. Right. And a guy named Jonathan, that was the fitness manager at the gym that I was working out at, which is called uh, Texas Family Fitness, saw that I gained that weight really quickly. And he started trying to, like, recruit me to be a trainer. And initially, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. That's not what I'm looking to do. I'm doing this music stuff. I just got into wrestling as well at that time. Uh, and then he just, like, kept on for, like, two months straight. So finally, I ended up getting my training certification and started working at uh, Texas Family Fitness, and I, I worked there. At one point, I went to LA Fitness as the fitness director. From there, I went to um, Fitness Connection, and I had a really good time at Fitness Connection. Was one of the top trainers uh, in Texas, actually, as far as like the amount of sessions that I was burning per month. I think mm -hmm. the highest I got was like the number two ranked 
trainer in Texas for UBF Ultra Body Fitness in Texas with burning those sessions. And then that's why I ended up suffering my injury at. I was okay. training the clients. Uh, we we're doing some basketball drills. He was a younger client of mine. And we we're doing like some dunk drills. I was showing them different ways to do different stuff. And I just awkwardly came down on my foot. I didn't even come down awkward, actually. I landed normal. But being that I'm flat-footed, uh, just the, the pressure of the impact from when I landed from whatever I did shocked all my nerves to where they gave out in my foot. And my, my subtilar joint just snapped right oh, there damn. at the bottom. Yeah. And uh, dislocated my foot. And so then I was out a couple months. Um, I had to give all my clients away. Granted, you know, no guarantee that they would come back afterwards, except those that just loved me enough to right, want to come right. back. But two months is a lot of time to be out where they're building rapport with another person. You know what I mean? Uh, so I never faulted those that didn't want to come back. I got it. You know what I mean? Because they were taken care of while I was out. Some did come back to me out of loyalty and I had to kind of regrind. But during that time, I had uh, I had got real depressed, uh, not being able to wrestle, obviously, obviously during that time because I was already wrestling mm -hmm. when this had happened, had multiple titles already at the time that this had happened. Because uh, this is now in 2016 when I'm working for UBF. Um, I had to give titles away, couldn't wrestle, couldn't work. So to you and all my identity at that time, I felt was wrapped up in what I did mm -hmm. and my value was in what I did, not who the fuck I was and what right. I was about at the core. But that was before me learning that. And uh, so I got real depressed, man. And, you know, I used to be addicted to a lot of different drugs. I, I was addicted to pills um, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, like I spoke on stage, the first thing that doctors do when you have an injury is give you a bottle of pills and don't right, make anything right. up. And initially I wasn't taking the pills when I first got in hurt, but the more depressed that I got, I wanted to cope with those feelings one way and just hide the fact that I was depressed. So I started taking the pills to be high. And then the cycle began again until the point where, you know, I just felt invaluable uh, because I couldn't provide for my family like I wanted to. Couldn't work for the promotions that, you know, I had the titles with that I had to give away. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I got real depressed and started getting real suicidal to the one day I did want to commit suicide and was going to. And, uh, you know, I just like before I did anything, I had just prayed. And in that moment of prayer, I just felt the hand of God touched me ultimately. And, uh, you know, didn't do it, obviously. Uh, got back to church after I sent that prayer out and felt what I felt in that moment. Also got aligned with different people from going back to church, yeah, which yeah. Uh, the, the gym that I subleased from, the owner goes to my church as well. Um, and that's where I met him at and how I was able to start subleasing from here to run my business. And, uh, and that's what helped me start because I got here at this gym after all that had happened. Met the owner, great guy, Eric Rona. Mark Zalmanoff was mm -hmm. uh, subleasing from here at that time as well. And he kind of underwinged me before I fully jumped in the business for myself and kind of taught me, showed me the ropes on kind of how to start your own like private training business. And then one day go leading in, I'm 33 now. This was about uh, right before my 30th birthday when Mark was like, dude, either, this is something you're either going to do or you're not going to do. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're young enough making this decision where if you're going to do it, now's the time you should do it because you'll have a head start compared to a lot of people on uh, starting this, you know what I mean? Oh, and so exactly I made right. the jump. Yeah. yeah. 
And then so I made the jump to, to start Primetime Fitness and, you know, create my private fitness training business. I got online clients. And it was, you know, as anything, it's always a hard, like working for yourself, period, in any aspect is difficult. You know what I mean? Um, but I had, I had the people around me to where I knew I wouldn't fail. My mindset had grown to where I knew I wouldn't fail at anything. And so through those first like six to eight months, that first year of really building it and try to build up that clientele, it was rough. Uh, but I was in a whole different mode here in my mind than I was, you know, previous getting saved, you know, six months, eight months before that. Uh, once again, just due to me learning more about myself, I became a reader. I never read books before. I started reading after all that uh, the suicidal thoughts and uh -huh. stuff happened. You know, after I got saved, and uh, now the rest is history, man. Now you know, three, three and a half years into it, because it was in May of uh, it was in May of 2018 when I started Primetime Fitness. So we're at you know going on four years here in about six months um, that that I've had my own business, and it's been it's been a complete blessing. You know what I mean? And it's grown yeah. so much with obviously indulging in Apex and doing podcasts and becoming a speaker and kind of making myself authority in all these different fields from fitness to wrestling to uh to music to uh can you still see there we go yeah to yeah. music um and the, like i say the speaking and doing the podcast and everything and now i'm helping people uh you know overcome certain aspects of their mindset of stuff that's holding them back with you know wanting to work with me privately not for for business sake but really it's a, it's a lot of mindset stuff which that goes into you honing in on your fitness, which goes into you honing in on your family dynamics, honing in on you as a person, mm -hmm. which all correlate to how you'll be able to run your business well. So I don't necessarily teach business tactics. I teach everything that comes before that to make that even better for when you go into that and have people that you're working with. That way you can either take it and work with them on it or bring me in to talk to them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So for my guy that's listening that might be starting out in the personal training space, tell me about that first six months of when you jumped off the cliff and hoped your airplane flew. Tell me about that first right. six months and how you managed to bring enough business in the door to get enough traction to establish your name. Because I, I know that it's that first six months that's absolutely critical in uh, building Correct. that foundation. So what were some of the things that you did to get through that? The, the biggest thing was social media and word of mouth. Um, initially, I had some clients that uh, jumped ship with me when I started my business from the gym that I was at before mm -hmm. uh, that came with me. So I, I was able to start off with maybe like four people okay. initially when I made the jump. And, um, and at that point, it was them telling their friends. And I was like, you know, I asked for a post a week. I was like, post a week about me, how much you're loving it, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, then making myself authority online, posting my videos, posting videos of the clients, giving out, you know, workout Wednesdays and posting the workout that I have my clients do every Wednesdays where people will see that and do it. And then, you know, realize that, hey, I kind of like this kind of working out because, you know, it's CrossFit functional fitness based of, of what I do. So it's high intensity stuff. We do a lot of heavy weights. We do a little, every, a little bit of everything is what it is. And, uh, you know, just formulating that business, right. You know, you have the set hours to the only hours that you want to work because your family still has to have time. 
And then with that, it's like, okay, if you're only going to work this amount of hours, how much money do you want to make? Because now you have to correlate your prices to the hours you want to work for the money, you, the minimum you want to make a month that you're okay with. And then building it from there. Um, so, the, I mean, those were the main keys. And also steadily investing myself in coaching. You yeah. know what I mean? Doing, yeah. doing the masterminds, learning new tactics, putting, asking questions to those around me that have already done what I wanted to do for years before that I was doing it and not being ashamed to ask questions and being vulnerable enough to, to be able to feel comfortable to ask anybody that was in my position from years before me uh, exactly how they did it as well. And just let that add up over time and not giving up. You know what I mean? I stayed believing in myself more than anybody else could believe in me to keep me from wanting to give up when times got hard or anything like that. And that was the main key is that belief in myself to apply that work with that belief. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a compelling, compelling story. One thing you touched on was your pricing. And I notice in a lot of industries, people don't value their time as much as maybe they should. Do you find that's a big problem in the uh, in the personal training space with guys just starting out? I do, which is why I think a lot of people, I tell people that are like getting into training all the time, if they're like, yeah, I think I'm about to go apply to LA Fitness or Texas Family or any of that, I'm like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you have people that want to start already, that like if you have at least three or four people that want to start with you already, work for yourself. Mm -hmm. it's, it's it'll be the best decision that you ever made i hate i waited three and a half four years to lead me to working for myself because i felt like it was time wasted by the time i did you know what i mean right. i had all them tools already leading into it um so I, I i do think a lot of people starting off struggle valuing what their time is and their expertise you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because we're out there to, to solve problems for people. Yeah. And if you know how to do that, your time is valuable because that's ultimately what they're paying for. People can get workouts online. They're mm -hmm. paying for your time to help you expedite so they can take the thinking out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you have to correlate them too, but a lot of people don't know that if they're not around people to be able to tell them because it's just, it's one of them situations where if you don't know, you don't know. But also at the same time, if you're not searching for it, and know you could be searching for it to find out more information, then that's on you as well. Mm -hmm. You know, because you can get on social media and see that there's a lot of social media trainers and people are, I don't, yeah. don't want to say social media <laughs> trainers, but th there really is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People that have honestly never, never done any tests or anything like that to where they, they worked out themselves and then just when applied that to social media, people start hitting them up about yeah. wanting to work out with them. And then they can start selling, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because yeah. that's all you're selling is your time. Everything else just comes with that. You know, yeah. while we go over and above for our clients, because we know we value our time. We want them to value our time. So to show them how much we love them and appreciate them valuing our time and what we charge or whatever it may be, you know, we go over and above in everything that we do. That way they know that it's like, man, they already did what they needed to do when I was with them for those three hours out of that week. And they're still giving me this extra stuff and still applying this extra knowledge with what they post on social media or by letting me talk to them. Uh, if I have a question, cause I'm about to go on vacation and I want workouts to take out there with me and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I want to touch now a little bit on the book writing process. 
you know, let's fast forward now because you just became a best-selling author. Tell me yes, a little sir. bit. Tell me a bit about the journey of writing a book. What inspired you to do it, and uh, what the future holds for you? Uh, I think the one thing that inspired me to write it was realizing that a lot of people could benefit from it. Because mm -hmm. I was already doing a lot of podcasts leading up to it. I, uh, you know, went and spoke at a couple of uh, different meetings that, you know, Ryan Stuman had held. And uh, I actually went and spoke at schools and stuff before because uh, they wanted me to tell my story to kids that were from the inner city as well. Uh, so with that, yeah, at that point, I realized I had an authority to be able to write a book mm -hmm. and allowed myself that. And one day I was in Drewby's office uh, talking to him. And, you know, we were just talking about each other's stories. And I was getting ready to fly out of town. I had stopped and done a podcast uh, with somebody earlier that day and just went in to say hello. Then he asked me, he was like, so he was like, when are you going to write your book, dude? He was like, if I can write a book, you definitely can. You know what I mean? <laughs> your background and what you have been through and what you're doing is so exponentially different from what I wrote mine about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so literally two days later, I started writing and, uh, you know, it just, it just, it started with the outline. Um, and then, you know, I went through the process of, uh, I started actually typing it and then I went to like vocal recorded and have it transcribed <laughs> and went that route yeah. with it. Cause I was like, this writing shit takes forever, dude. I know. Dude. Uh, <laughs> you start uh, tapping it, it out you know, on your phone. That kind of process. But it was realizing that I had authority to write a book because I think that's why a lot of people don't write books. It's because they don't feel that anybody wants to hear their story. But I'll be damned if there is not one thing that every single person in this world can relate to from one person to the next. I genuinely feel that everybody, there is something about their life one way or another, even if it's one thing. Mm -hmm. that we can relate to with all these different individuals. So with that, uh, everybody has a story. And it was, it was just kind of realizing that I needed to be vulnerable in that situation if I genuinely wanted to touch and help as many people and inspire as many people and motivate as many people as I genuinely was saying I wanted to. The book had to be written because uh, that's one of the easiest ways to get it out. So we got the first one out the way. And, and now it's time to get really good at it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people are getting a lot of stuff from it. I have my 13th Floor Mindset podcast. And so I'm already working on the next book, which is going to be, you know, the 13 principles from the 13th floor. Oh, um, right. and, and so which is going to be completely different uh, from Unfuckwittable because Unfuckwittable was my journey to get to where I'm at. Uh, from start to finish now, not start to finish, but start to continuation because it just ended with where I'm at now for people to get the, you know, a story and then a lesson, a story and then a lesson, a story, then a lesson where the 13th, uh, you know, 13 principles from the 13th floor are going to be the big 13 principles, core values that have shaped my life, changed my life, a little bit of the story aspect, but really focusing in on this is, the journey I took, and this is exactly what I did to be able to get to this mindset of, of this principle in which I'm talking about. I think it's because you got the mind of a champion. That's it. You know? You keep fighting, man. How long, dude, have you been involved in professional wrestling now? Uh, seven and a half years. Tell me what was going through your mind eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> When you walked into a wrestling gym, how did, how in the world do you become a professional wrestler, man? I, I must know this story. Initially, 
it was kind of by luck. Now, now there's a lot more wrestling schools around where people can easily get on Google, search wrestling schools in the area and find one school or another. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, I, I can name four or five that are around this general area alone that I'm in now. Oh, wow. Back when I was starting, I found nothing when I Googled it. I started off as a wrestling podcaster. And then one day, one of my good buddies, Ty Wilson and I, uh, went and did photography and videography for a promotion called MPX. And then uh, we went out with him afterwards, after we did all the interview stuff, the show was over. You know, we talked to some people, went out to drink with him afterwards. And uh, when we were there, there's this chick named Ruthless Lala uh, that came and sat down with us and uh, kind of gave us a 411. She was like, man, y'all have great looks. Y'all got the personality for it. Y'all, are, you know, if this is something y'all want to do, here's this guy's number that I would suggest you work with to train y'all. And she gave us the number to a guy named uh, Anthony Black, who uh, ended up being our trainer. You know, she gave us a name number. I added him on Facebook that same night. He so was you, like, All you, right, never wrest- you never wrestled before? No, I was a basketball player back So you went day. out, what you're telling me is you went out drinking with your buddies, a pretty, girl, a pretty girl gave you a phone number to call, and drunk Dante decided it'd be a good idea to become a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love it. And now, and, and, now, and now I've been on TV and have held 13, 14 different titles. And shit it's crazy. Here. Talk just <laughs> happenstance. You're like, you know what? I think I can do this. Yeah, it's like, let's try it. If it doesn't wow. work, cool. That's like the if best it doesn't work, cool, let's try it. But we hit the ground running, man. But also we put in the effort. We were there. Oh, yeah. We were driving an hour and a half, two hours every day to go to train. And rain, hell, sleet, snow. We were out there six, seven days a week for months to year on end, like clockwork, putting the work in to really learn the trade. Once we had that realization, it was like, yo, this is something that we can really be good at in a few years if we really focus in and want to be good at it and to give it everything we have. Because it is an entire trade. It is an entire trade, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the entertainment side of that business and how it feels to be up on stage in front of so many people. It's exhilarating, man. And it was funny. You know, I've I've performed on big stages in music before wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, I've South by Southwest for years on end. Uh, performed at one of the biggest trees out here. I mean, one of the biggest venues named Trees venue out here in Dallas, opening up for some of the biggest artists today and yesterday, obviously, from when I was doing that. Um, But it's all different, like all these different stages. I've been uh, on a CrossFit platform working out, competing at Wadapalooza, which is one of the biggest CrossFit competitions in the world out in Miami. Mm-hmm. with, you know, 500 people in the stands. But all these from the CrossFit to speaking on stage at something like Apex Live in front of 400 people to wrestling in the ring to being on the music stage, all of them have this different exhilarating aspect to them. All of them are performances in a way at the end of the day because you're in front of people entertaining and talking and doing this or working for them one way or another, but all of them are so different. And when it comes to wrestling, where well, well, wrestling is really cool and the entertainment aspect is how we're able to control the emotions of everybody in that audience, be it they boo us, be it they cheer us, be it they start booing us initially at the start of the show and at the end start cheering us, or whether they cheering us at the beginning and end up booing us, where we yeah. can flip that switch on them based is, off of what we do and how we react in the ring. 
it's serious entertainment, isn't it? There, isn't there there's stories woven through it and good, good guys and bad guys? Is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah, there's all that aspect to it. And people want good wrestling. You got to be a good, genuine wrestler as well, you know? Because um, the thing is, at the end of the day, if you're a good wrestler, but you don't have any charisma, uh, you're only going to get so far, mm -hmm. you know? Or if you have charisma, you're not a good wrestler. You're only going to get so far. You got to have that charisma and be a good wrestler to get everything out of this business that you absolutely want to. And a lot of people think they have both aspects and they don't. And it, I mean, it shows in, in what you achieve. You know what I mean? If you're just small town working your whole career, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you're just, you may be good for the small town, but in the grand scheme of things, you're probably not as good as you, you really think you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. you weren't able to get out of that, that hole. Um, but once you start getting at that hole, that tells you that you're good enough. Once you start winning 13 titles and being on TV, that shows you're good enough. Once you start facing guys that were either in big promotions or used to be in big promotions, and they start, you know, uh, bestowing you with some of their moves because they feel that you would be good at it and appreciated you enough and respect you enough where it's like, hey, I want to give you this move because I think it'll look good. I don't use it anymore, but I want you to start using it if you would because I think it'll be a great thing for you. You got to take that shit and run with it because those opportunities don't come around often. There's a guy named Austin Aries that I faced uh, back in June, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And Austin Aries wrestled at WrestleMania a couple times. He's a former Impact World Champion, held multiple titles in Impact, actually, multiple major titles everywhere else. He's literally one of the top wrestlers to ever grace the, you know, the, the professional wrestling business. And uh, when I was wrestling him, he gave, there's a move called a brain buster that was his finishing move for the longest time, but it was one of them things where he wanted me to do it on him and me to continue using it because he just felt it'll look good with me with the strength that I have in the body. He was like, I know this move would look good. He was like, so I want you to not only to use it on me, being the guy that's over here, he was like, but I want you to continue using it because I have that respect for you and realize that there's no separation in anything that I've done to where you're at right here wrestling me other than opportunity. And that's kind of what it gets to is, some things as far as what separates us where we're at on the independent circuit to those that are on TV on a weekly basis with the 300, 500,000 million dollar contracts is all opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So what's, let's talk just a little bit more about wrestling. What would you say, yeah. what would you say one of the more important lessons uh, that wrestling has taught you that you can share with the audience that would apply to the rest of their lives? Oh, I think one of the biggest lessons is the fact that you can work as hard as you want to at something and genuinely be giving it your all, right? Giving everything you can, doing the work as we know it, investing in yourself, everything. Mm -hmm. And it still may not happen. And you have to be okay with knowing that and still put in the work for it to happen for as long as you're doing their journey because that's how life is you know we we might work hard at this we might work hard to become a millionaire what, whatever it may be there's a lot of things that we can do in life but at the end of the day we can be giving our all giving our all giving our all and it still may not get all the way there so at that point you have to really realize like what is the purpose in which you are doing it mm -hmm. like you when you know your purpose and the ultimate goal right the root goal 
of uh, what it is that you're doing and the why behind what you're doing, then uh, at the end of the day, if for whatever reason it doesn't happen after you've given everything you generally could to, to try to make it happen and it doesn't, you're able to live with yourself and you don't have those what if factors when uh, when you call it, you know, when you call the quiz or, you know, go on to your next, whatever it may be. Because some things are just a rite of passage to get us to a position in which we don't realize in that moment. You know, sometimes we take this certain journey for a long time, literally, to get us to something else down the line that we don't see at that time. Uh, and as long as we're giving our all, we'll give ourselves our opportunity to at least get there where we know our purpose, know our why, have done the work, we call it. And then it's like, oh, well, this opportunity came up after I finished and I never saw that this could come from everything that I've done back then. You know what I mean? And it's even greater when it does. It's uh, it's cumulative. The, the shit stacks up, right? Just, it, exactly. <laughs> so much, right? <laughs> Dude. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm having a lot of fun, Dante. Thank you for taking time out of your day, man. This is of course, uh, <laughs> man. I love this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun, um, man. <laughs> I I don't know whether to go down this metaverse rabbit hole. And I kind of want to know what's next for Dante Smiley and what's coming up in the future. But I kind of want to touch on, on the world itself because um, with Ryan's talk last week and with Facebook announcing meta and the launch of the metaverse and with NFTs coming up and starting to be popular and all these alternate sources of making money. Dude, what does is, what is the future look like to you? Man, that's why I was laughing. I'm like, do I really want to go here? But yeah, yeah I mean, no, I, it's cool. Like, I love talking about this, this kind of stuff, though, too, man. You know, because it all it's, it's all going to inevitably be part of the journey, just just like Ryan yeah. did say. It's 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 going to happen. It's you coming. Know I mean? Like, I've, I've been to, I've been to like three different places this week already, where they're like, nope, we don't take cash anymore. We're only going to be taking card from here on out. And there man. was a time that we never thought that was going to happen. We're like, like it's always going to take cash. But no, I've literally been three places this week, That's this crazy. week, that didn't take cash at all. They're like, card only, card only, card only. We're not going back to cash. Card only. That's what they said. And I mean, and they don't look like they're going back. So, I mean, everything is going to that. I mean, in the digital transactive through the phone, through the wires. I type know, space. But I and, think. Uh, and it's hard to navigate. You know what I mean? Because once again, it kind of depends on who's in what office where. You, you know, that's what a lot of that kind of stuff depends on. But it, it looks like the way it's going is that these folks want to see everything out there. You know, they want to see mm -hmm. every dollar we spend and every dollar <laughs> we're bringing in, which is why, you know, you know and that's generally what it, what it looks like it's going to. Um, so, so big, you know, it's, it's all about adapting. People are going to have to adapt and either they're going to adapt now uh, with the NFTs, with crypto stuff, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all that kind of stuff, or they're gonna keep thinking cash and debit card of the ways and get caught slipping and have to adjust when shit is high. When it's, oh, I, don't, I never like to use the phrase, oh, when it's too late, uh, because if it's out there, it's not too late. You just are gonna be way behind the curve yeah. if, if you don't adjust. You know what I mean? The, the meta stuff, you know, that's something uh, to look into because uh, it's happening. You know what I mean? I was on, uh, 
I was on the Instagram, I think it was yesterday, and I saw that uh, this dude, he's an artist named Post Malone. Mm-hmm. And Post Malone has showed that he bought uh, two different NFTs for like 430 something thousand dollars. You know that's what I mean? And, and it's just like, yo, and, and, you know, people have like, hey, you need to put your album cover up as an NFT. You need to do this as your own NFT and create something to see how it does. And, you know, so I'm just navigating that now is, you know, seeing how to possibly create my own because it seems like people are interested. Um, so fuck it, why not? You know what I mean? If that's where we're going, it's our duty to do the research. And that's kind of where I'm at with that kind of stuff right now mm-hmm. is, is researching a little bit more so I know what I'm really getting into, you know, with same thing when I first started getting into stocks, I didn't just jump in blindly. I talked to those around me that have been playing the game, talked to my financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Then I jumped in. Same thing was crypto came about. I didn't just jump in. I kind of watched it, did the research, asked some people, and then jumped into it. And so the same thing is going to happen here because it's going to, it's inevitable. It's coming. It's, yeah. it's, it's not coming. It's here, it's here, but it's going to come even more. I'm trying to read up as much as I can about these NFTs. And, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like there's, there's, there's a generation that are, are, are similar to like monkeys and we live in trees. And then there's our kids that are fish and they live in the sea. And I think the water level's rising and our kids are just going to swim circles around us and end up just oh yeah, like my kids swim through this world. They already understand this Roblox and making money and mining currency and stuff. And, I'm just going to buy them some uh, high-powered computers and get out of the way, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the floodwaters are rising, and I think we're, we're, about to get, we're about to get covered up with a bunch of little, little kids that move through this world a lot better yeah. than we do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, for real, though, man. It's like my daughter, you know what I mean? There was one day when my daughter realized money didn't grow on trees, and she <laughs> didn't have all the shit that she had from me going outside and picking leaves, you know what I mean? She man. realized it was the work, but she understood the concept of work so now she doesn't just ask for money she's like you know she'll go clean something she'll go you know she does she she does work herself one way or another around the house or whatever it may be to earn money so she does some stuff and she's like hey you know can we go to the store when we're at the store she's like can i get this and we're like yeah because you did a good job of actually doing this without us even asking you know, so she's going above it. Granted, I would get the girl a toy regardless. I'm a fucking girl, Dad, so I'm a goddamn sucker <laughs> at the end of the day. Let's be real. You know what That's I mean? That is so but, hard. That is so yeah, hard. Yeah, but, but her going <laughs> over and above without us having to ask says a lot. You know oh, yeah. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I've embedded in her, that's what leaders do. Leaders do the work without being asked to do the work. You know what I mean? And even if they're at the top of the board, they still do the work with everybody that may be under them to help bring them up there to create more leaders, which is why every single morning she leaves our house, I'm like, hey, what are you going to do today? She's like, lead with excellence. You know what I mean? And I'm like, how are you going to do that? She's like, by doing the work and helping others. I'm like, that's exactly it. That's the only way I want you to view it right now, by doing the work and helping others be better. And she's won two or three leadership awards already in her classroom for the year for being a great classmate and inspiring others that are struggling to to know they could do it. Like her teacher sends my wife and myself, because my wife works at the same school that my daughter goes to, and her teacher will send us text messages on these things that she's saying. And it's not that I told her to say these specific things, but she's heard these specific things through the core values that we hold in our household 
where I'm talking about inspiring others and doing the work. And hey, this is why we do this. Hey, mm-hmm. this is why we do that. Hey, you know, I'm putting the work in to help and shit like, but you don't normally do that. I'm like, I know, I just want to go over and above to help this friend because I know they can use the help right now. She's like, oh, okay. And she's yeah. understanding those concepts of being a re- being resourceful to others and, and just trying to find solutions for everybody and help everybody win. Dude, that's how you become valuable though. Right. You become valuable by being valuable to the people around you. And Correct. the more you give, the more you receive. Um, make make this easy for my production team, Dante. Uh, tell me again the two things you say to your daughter every morning when you tell her goodbye. I say, uh, what are you going to do? She says, lead with excellence. And then I ask her how she's going to do it. And she says, by doing the work and helping others. All right. That. Production guys, that needs to be its own clip in the show notes. I love that. That's right. really yeah. and that's for everybody. That ain't even just for kids. Yeah, that's for you know. I we you know with adults we might you know phrase it a little bit differently, but lamest terms, everybody understands that. How do you be a leader by doing the work first mm-hmm. and helping yeah. others get there as well? I walk Period. my I walk my son Charlie into school every morning and I fist bump him. I tell him to go crush it. And then I got to pay Drewby a royalty for telling him that. Right. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crush your day, son. <laughs> no, I said, go crush it. I fist bump him. But we got a little routine. But uh, yeah, I, may, right. I, may, I may start to inject some of that leadership stuff in there, dude. That's some sage, sage advice. Man, you know, I was thoroughly surprised and happily surprised at my core how well she accepted that. With not understanding it at first, because at first it was like, okay, dad, I'm going to lead with excellence. Lead with excellence. Hey, you're going to lead with excellence, right? Yes. Lead with mm-hmm. Then I made, so it went from me being like, hey, lead with excellence to me being like, hey, what are you going to do? And right. then she tells me. Oh, I and like then that. it went from that to be like, okay, you're leading with excellence, right? Yes. How are you going to do that? So it was a progression from me putting in her to her throwing it back at me, to me telling her how it's done, to her telling me how it's done. That way she really understands the concept and is showing in her classroom, which is the most beautiful thing ever, especially for a five-year-old. You know what I mean? That's what makes, she's turning six here in a month. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'll give her her due diligence for pretty much a six-year-old. But even still for her to understand that concept and want it, because that's what drives her. Mm -hmm. What drives her is helping others. And that's the most beautiful thing ever because it's going to help her even greater in the long run. Cause so many people are super selfish in this world. When the kids can learn that helping others and sharing and being like, Hey, you can do this. Don't say that you can't do this math problem. Don't say that you're not going to do this, but you can. And this is how you're going to do it. Cause this is how I did it. And I think it will help you doing it this way. And then them doing it and them believing themselves. Now we got two leaders and now both of them are doing it to two other people. Now we have four and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Now all four of them are doing it. Now we have eight and we just keep duplicating these leaders when it's done right. But these kids have to have parents around them yeah. that are putting these thoughts in them. If kids, don't have parents around them that know how to do this kind of stuff because they haven't understood it themselves, you know, that it's not going to happen. But if we have one kid in every classroom to at least start the cycle for their other classmates, them kids one day won't need their parents to do that. 
I didn't need my parents to do it because mm-hmm. that it wasn't the case. It was never lead. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, make A's and B's and don't come home with anything less, period. That's about the most leadership stuff I got talked to about. Damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so leadership was something that I had to learn. Then once we learned it as adults, if we didn't have it growing up, we put in in our kids from the start. Then our kids put in another kids and so on and so forth. That's how it begins. So where now we go this rabbit hole where everybody's trying to just breed leaders. Dude, you start with one and then the web begins. I love it. So I'm assuming you get as much joy from being a father as I do. Um, how do you go about making sure you get a healthy, balanced relationship between your business and your daughter? Um, more than anything special with it, you know, my wrestling travels, I'm gone a lot of weekends. Like, I mean, two, three days at a time, mm-hmm. I'll be gone. So my biggest thing is uh, being present when I'm present. You know what I mean? Right. Not If I'm home, my women get it until they go to bed. You know what I mean? If I want to do more work, cool, which I usually will. But it's not till after both my daughters are down. And my wife is laid down, you know what I mean? Or at least in her resting state of right, watching right. Law and Order SVU or something like that. You <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Because I was real bad. It took navigating, especially when I first started my business, because it was like always oh, work, 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 work. Got to get clients because I got to get money. Got to get clients because yeah. I got to yeah. get money. So I was always in. Now businesses are from our devices, be it computers, be it tablets, or be it our phones. So it's easy to always be on there, not on Instagram scrolling, but literally, okay, let me answer this email. Let me send this text message. Let me check back in with this person. Then we're two hours into it and realize we've barely talked to our family a couple times since being home when it's the only little couple hours, two or three hours out of the night that they even get us before kids got to be in bed. Cause it ain't like our young kids are staying up till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Mine don't, you know what I mean? Cause they got school the next day. So we're already short on time. Um, And so, so it's making sure I'm present when I am present. And then um, also making sure that they understand that everything I'm doing right now for when I'm not present, actually at home, mm-hmm. um, is for is for the future. They may not see it now, but these are all seesawing what we're doing now for two and three years. We're not even going to have to even think about or worry about these days anymore. You know what I mean? Because we're going to be free. We're going to be a free man, free woman, free kids, free husband, free wife, and get to enjoy the, these fruits in which we're planting the seeds to right now. Cause before it was like, I'm planting the fruit now and I need it to grow now, yeah, you know, and it, was yeah. coming, and it was coming to understand that that's not how it works. You got, you lay the seeds. You got, first you got to dig the soil, right? Yeah, you got to lay yeah. that groundwork and then the seeds are laid. And then we got to water it. And then we got to resoil possibly if the soil is not right or the temperature is not right, which is us kind of just pivoting another direction if something's not working. And then it just takes time for, you know, we see we see that first root come through. And then, you know, we see they get bigger and bigger and bigger to grow into this tree. And then it's like, okay, where's our apples at? And mm-hmm. then we keep sowing and keep sowing and keep water and putting in the work for this tree to start growing apples. And then we see the first one. Then we see the second one. Then we see the third one. But it's years on end that that yeah. we, of the work it takes for that tree to grow into a tree, let alone grow into a tree that's growing a whole bunch of apples on it. But when we understand that 
the work we're doing now to do all this groundwork for that tree to go to be able to grow apples is going to pay off here in two or three years. It's like, cool. I'll wait for them ripe ass apples to get there because I know <laughs> it's going to be the best fruit, the best apple that I've ever had before. So we can do the work right now to be able to benefit there in two or three years. What a wonderful analogy. Uh, I love hearing explained like that. You got to plant the, uh, you got to prepare the soil, plant the seed, nurture the tree, allow the tree yeah. to mature, and then harvest the fruit. That was a really, really well done uh, analogy, man. Because uh, patience is very difficult. They say it takes about seven years to actually become an overnight success. Correct. Uh, right. <laughs> is that about how long it's taken you? Yeah, 100%. What's funny, like, I've been a, you know, before I went into business for myself, I was a trainer for about uh, four years before I started Primetime Fitness. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't until, like, last year, like, last year was my most successful year as a trainer ever up until this year. This Mm -hmm. year has been my most successful year. And now we're really starting to see that groundwork. It was funny, like, the more money that I start making and more people I'm helping, the more money I put out to learn more stuff, Mm -hmm. to invest in knowledge and masterminds and courses just to keep heating this knowledge. You know what I mean? But it's all paying for itself after a year. You know what I mean? A year in, it's like, oh, I made that back. So now let's go to the next thing. Oh, I made that back. But wrestling is the same way. I'm at year seven and a half, and I'm just now starting to get my big promotion looks from working for AEW out in Florida or wherever they travel to a few times to start being on major TV and face these major wrestlers. It's, it's just steadily, once again, just as cliche as it may be to some people that may listen, steadily doing the work, not giving up, waking up, fighting, realizing that every time I, I level up that there's going to be shit that tries to knock me back down and not getting knocked down because I take my punches and I fucking punch back. You know Amen. what I mean? I, yeah. And, and I'll, get, I'll get hit hard sometimes. And I won't ever talk about it because I'm like, I can take this. Put it here again. Give me some more. You know what I mean? I'm like, I dare you to give me some more because I know how much harder I'm going to hit back to get through whatever it is because the last thing I'm about to do is go back to where I was five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. My yeah. biggest thing is I don't backtrack. I keep going forward. And that's how I do it. Dude, I love it. I love it. So who would you say out of all the people that you've met on this journey, especially over the last couple of years, who would you say your strongest professional mentor had been and what kind of role did they have in your development? Oh, spiritually. Maybe, I'm there's, a, I'm maybe a, there's more than one. <laughs> well, yeah, because well, I'm going to name different aspects because some of them correlate into the next. So it started spiritually for me getting around uh, the right people. Um, and I've been at the same church since I got saved. And so out of my, out of that kind of aspect, it's been, uh, one pastor Keith, who's the head pastor at our church, who you've probably heard mm-hmm. speak before. Cause he's I done heard, a few yeah. different things with Ryan and, and, you know, he was at MDM and stuff like that before, you know what I mean? And, uh, or one of the, one of the past live events that might've been, yeah. but he came and spoke at one of Ryan's events. Um, and within that circle of me getting saved there, meeting Eric Rona and him seeing something in me to where he was like, I want you at my gym. Cause I think my gym can benefit from your personality and who you are as a human being and allowing me to sublease from him. And he's taught me a lot of business stuff. Uh, and he's an open book when I'm like, Hey, 
how much do you pay rent? How much is electricity? How much is this? Like, how'd you go about setting this up? He's an open book with me, which a lot of people won't give you those kind of numbers all the time. Yeah, yeah. But but he he knows I'm not going to interfere with his business because we're so separate. So he's not afraid to give that to me and hasn't allowed me my first opportunity to go and visit for myself by giving me a deal to sublease from him. And then being here, Mark Zalmanoff was the one that put the elbow grease and they're helping me really formulate my business. He's like, okay, what do you want to call it? Okay, cool. Now, if you do it, how many hours do you want to work? Set that up. Okay, with that, you need to make your prices correlate to those hours that you want to work to minimally make whatever it is you want to make and yeah. really realizing that aspect of it. And then, uh, like I say, through there, it's just meeting Ryan and, and Apex in general. You know, because I feel like everybody damn near in Apex is kind of a mentor to everybody because we all get shit from Because that's all a mentor is, is somebody that, that sold into your life one way or another that mm -hmm. you feel like helps benefit you. And there's a lot of people as far as that goes. But I would say if I had to choose three or four just like main players that were a super direct end of that, it would be Pastor Keith because it was his church I got saved at by default. But uh, through that, Eric Rona. Mark Zalmanoff, and then uh, Ryan Stuman because Ryan has Apex, which has allowed me to meet a lot of people that I now do life with on a regular basis and just help energy produce into the energy produce into me. I sow seeds into them. They sow seeds into me. And so the cycle begins. We're one big family of choice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, Dante, we're almost up on time, pal. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, before we go, I want to know, um, if you've read any good books recently. Oh yeah, man. Uh, one book I love is, uh, so I'll read kind of an era, but you know, I'll read all the business books that Apex members write mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, one of the last ones that I read was probably Mark Zalmanoff's that I had finished. Mm -hmm. Uh, his book, Make Good Choices. I, own stuff, that. Like, I, so, I have not read it yet. It's yeah. I've got a stack of books to get through, dude. Yeah, I mean, right. Like we yeah. I mean, we had what 15, 20 people that wrote books this year, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Including myself. And like I've only read mine partly back already, you know, out like the actual <laughs> physical copy of the book. You know yeah. what I mean? I read the final transcripts before we we put it out and things like that. But as far as the actual book book, I haven't even gotten all the way through mine. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Um and so, uh, like, Mark, Mark's is really good. You know, uh, we just got Jonathan Laudermilk just got his. Um, I've also read, uh, been reading Candace Owens' book called Blackout, oh, which is yeah. which is really good. Because uh, I, I really I really like Candace Owens. I know, you know, she, you, you know, a lot of Black people don't like her because she's a conservative. And the majority of the African-American population historically um, is not conservative, Republican, or anything of the sort. I think a lot are going to be coming around a lot more, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a lot of people have difficulty just opening up to that mindset to hear something different from what they've been taught from generation on generation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think people need to open up their mind just to listen to people. They don't have to agree. They don't have to turn Democratic to Republican or Republican to Democratic, liberal to conservative, conservative, liberal. I could care less about what people's aspects of that is. I have my own views and certain stuff, and that's what I go off of based off of my life. But I do think everybody owes it to themselves to listen to the opposite side, uh, to see why. 
And, and, and that's what not enough people do is listen to the other people, read stuff from other people that they know they're not probably going to agree with to see where they're coming from. And I think it's big because everybody is so different from one another. The only thing you could have, the only way you could have the ultimate human experience of understanding is to try to understand somebody that you may not initially understand where they're coming from. You have to allow yourself to take your own personal aspect out of it to be like, I'm going to take my opinions out of it, talk and explain, and then ask questions, however the fuck you want to ask them. And them being vulnerable enough and open enough to give you life experiences, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because I, I believe a lot of people feel the way they feel for a certain reason. You know, I don't feel people just feel the way they feel because they just feel that way. People have been through a lot of shit in life. So there's a lot of stuff that they might have been through why they might say this or that about one thing or another. Granted, can they change that mindset? You know, it, I'll give you a quick example. Sorry, because I know I can get going on a lot of stuff. You're but good, quick man. example, like I have, a, I have a lot of friends that are like, hey, you know, I, I just hate all cops, right? That that thing because of a lot of stuff that has happened that they put in the media over the last, you know, three, four years, five years since Trayvon Martin type stuff about all these black people that were killed in the streets and stuff like that. So people come out and it's just say, I hate all is the key that I'm hearing, cops. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like, no, that, that's, that's, that's not how that works. The, you know what I mean? I can understand that there's bad of everything out there. There's also good of everything out there. And you can't put everybody in the box here at the gym. We have, you know, five or six different cops that I love to death. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We do life together outside of here. But also, I've been pulled over in small little podunk towns for my tail light, quote unquote, being out when it really wasn't out, had all my shit searched. They didn't ask me anything other than what my criminal history is like, which I have done, and then let me be on my merry way after they couldn't find anything. It's going to say, you know, I've been stereotyped and pulled over before. Mm -hmm. I didn't leave it saying all cops are bad. I left it being like, man, fuck that guy first and foremost for being that kind of human being to yeah. want to do that to another human being for no actual reason. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But and, and it's it is that kind of understanding where if we do find these people that are like, oh, I hate all, and it's like, why? Why do you hate? Then then they give you these experiences like, okay, I can understand it in those experiences now. But then on the opposite side, it's like, please do try to understand that although you've had these experiences with the two, three, four, five that you may have had, not all are like that because I've had these experiences in the same instance where they were all good, but I've also had the bad. So we can't put all of them into the same box. But the only way that we can get to understanding either side of any of these kind of situations like that, or the million of situations that we can have of misunderstanding in the world is if we fucking communicate and, and are vulnerable enough to be honest within that communication. Cause I think that's the key too, is honesty and vulnerableness within that communication and throwing pride out the window and literally letting us be beside ourselves in what we want to say to understand this person and where they're coming from. Man, every time you open your mouth, it's like another sage piece of wisdom falls out, dude. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic <laughs> talking to you, my friend. Before we get out of here, one more thing. If you could let everybody listening know where to find you on social media, that would be just great, dude. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the easiest place is DanteSmiley.com. D-O-N-T-A-E-S-M-I-L-E-Y.com. It has everything, wrestling stuff, podcast stuff. From my podcast to every podcast that I've been on, I put on my podcast page on my website as well. That way it's easily defined to, to you know, help those that have allowed me to be on their podcast. Uh, you can find all my music stuff on there. Dude, you I'm going to go check that out. On Is your music you know on Spotify mean? too? I'm on Spotify. I'm on everything. Dude. Everything. We got to find something. I don't, I don't miss any opportunity to be out there. Just like I don't miss opportunity to make any money that I can. So I have all the money apps as well. <laughs> like, you know, what I, mean? <laughs> I don't want to miss out on making a dollar. So I got it all. You know what I'm saying? I got and, you. And, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. So uh, DanteSmiley.com, you'll find everything. Social medias are at Prime Time Living. P-R-I-M-E-L-I-V-I-N-G. Or P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E-L-I-V-E-I-N-G. There you we'll go. That's the link <laughs> you, you were with me. This is great. This is great. All right, my man. Guys, as always, if you have enjoyed the show, if you've gotten anything out of it, do me a favor. Run over to Dante's social media. The links are in the show notes. Give him a like. Give him a follow. And then uh, do us all a favor and share out the show. Put it on your social media. Please, yeah. Tag me at Small Business Surgeon. Tag uh, Dante at Primetime Fitness. And, uh, dude, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Thank time. you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank up. you. And uh, all you guys, thank you so much for listening. You have a wonderful week, and I will see you on this week's Friday Fire. Take care. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.